Well, while you remain standing, congregation, would you uh, open your Bibles now and turn with me to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I'm going to be reading verses 46 through 52. We're continuing our uh, morning series through the Gospel of Mark and come now to uh, the last portion of Mark chapter 10. Uh, which is also, by the way, uh, the last uh, miracle that Mark records for us, uh, of, uh, the miracles of Jesus. Mark 10, verse 46 through the end of the chapter. This is the word of God. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprung up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Let's pray. Father, we pray your blessing on your word proclaimed this morning here in this place. O Lord, instruct us and teach us what you would have us to learn. We pray that we may bear fruit to the glory of your name. And so, Lord, bless the proclamation, not only here, but wherever your word is faithfully preached today. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we read uh, the Gospels, we uh, cannot help but notice that uh, there are several rather interesting characters uh, that Jesus comes across in and throughout his ministry. And sometimes Jesus makes a point of meeting them. He takes the initiative. <clears throat> For example, I think uh, the Samaritan woman, I think he had to go through Samaria uh, because he had an appointment, uh, an eternal appointment uh, with this uh, Samaritan woman at the well. Uh, or uh, Zacchaeus, where Jesus stops and, and points to Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, come down. This day, I'm coming to your house. But there are other times, uh, people whom Jesus meets, like here, uh, Bartimaeus, who is the one who calls out to Jesus. He's an interesting, I think, character, and uh, one that we will be considering together. In, Mark, in Matthew uh, chapter 11, John the Baptist 
is imprisoned, but he sends his disciples to Jesus. And he's wondering about Jesus. He's starting to question whether Jesus is the one, the promised one, the Messiah. And so he sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? And Jesus answered, go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. What Jesus is saying there uh, to the disciples of John the Baptist is, I am the one. I am fulfilling what Isaiah in Isaiah 35 prophesied the promised one would do. I fit the bill. The blind receive their sight. That is what the Messiah will do. And that is what he does in this passage. Jesus heals blind Bartimaeus. Looking at this passage together, congregation, first of all, just notice Bartimaeus' profession. It's a rather surprising one, it seems to me, his profession. Verse 47, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. How did Bartimaeus come to believe that Jesus was the Messiah? Well, one answer to that question, of course, is we don't, we don't know. We're not given any of the back history. The Bible is silent on that matter. How did Bartimaeus come to this level of faith and belief in Jesus Christ? Did he really believe? Did he really know who Jesus was? Or is he only saying that uh, he knows that Jesus is of the house of David? He knows he's of the lineage of David. He's a son of David. And so he calls out to them. Is that, is that it? But, of course, the answer there is no. There's, there's definitely more to what Bartimaeus is saying. Uh, he goes on, have mercy on me. And so he, he acknowledges that Jesus is the son of David, whom God promised would sit on his throne forever, and that Jesus was able to be merciful, to cleanse, to heal. He is looking to Jesus to show mercy and to heal. And so he has a level of belief and an understanding that this Jesus is is the promised one. This Jesus is the Messiah. He is able to heal. How did he come to that faith? Well, again, one answer is the Bible is silent. And you know that's often the case. That's often the case. When you read the scripture, you find really 
the issue isn't so much how you've come to faith, but have you come to faith? That's really the heart of the matter. It isn't so much how you came to faith as have you come to faith. And that's in contradiction, I think, to so many today who are so impressed with these outstanding testimonies of famous people. The Bible doesn't seem to be so concerned about that as, have you come to faith? Don't tell me your story. Tell me that you are resting in and trusting in Jesus as Lord. Tell me that. You see, of course, we all recognize that. And, and let me just say, testimonies, of course, in and of themselves are not bad and, and, and such. It's just when we put too much emphasis on them, they can divert us away from what is ultimately important. That is, the person, that, that person who's giving the testimonies becomes the center instead of Christ being in the center. And so we're not given all of this background of how Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, by the way, Bar-Timaeus means son of Timaeus, how Bartimaeus came to believe, but he clearly does. It's rather surprising. It's surprising because we're told, of course, that Bartimaeus was blind. He couldn't see, which means he couldn't witness with his eyes the healings that Jesus had done. He didn't see them, but no doubt he heard about it. He heard of Jesus, he heard of Jesus' reputation, and upon hearing of Jesus' reputation, he concluded, this one is the Messiah, this one is the promised one. This one is the Messiah who would come and heal the sick and heal the blind. He couldn't see, but he could hear. In congregation, you see that as well, don't you, with us. None of us were present in Nazareth, in Israel, in Judea, when Jesus was walking on this earth. None of us witnessed with our eyes the healings of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus. We never saw him raise people from the dead. Lazarus, how did you come to faith? How is it that you came to believe? Same way Bartimaeus did. Through our hearing, through our ears is how we came to believe. Uh, we hear the word of God. Faith, Paul tells us, comes through hearing. And so you, brothers and sisters, heard about Jesus. You heard the gospel, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ, and you believed. Upon hearing, you believe. Faith comes through hearing. 
Now, this is why preaching the gospel is so very important. Because faith comes through hearing. The proclamation of Jesus Christ as the Savior of sinners. As the one whom God sent to be the perfect lamb to take away our sins. That proclamation is of vital importance. Now that's my concern as, as a pastor. I don't want to come up here and tell you interesting stories about my life, my history. I mean, who cares? I want you to hear of Christ. That has eternal relevance. This is what we're called to do as preachers, to preach the gospel, to preach the good news, to be God's ambassadors. It is the Holy Spirit's means by which he brings people to believe in Jesus Christ. The word of God, the gospel of God proclaimed. Faith comes through hearing. And so Bartimaeus is just simply a, 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 a great picture of that for us, a great example for, of that, because he didn't see it. He didn't witness it, but he certainly heard it. And the Holy Spirit then, upon our hearing the gospel, captures the citadel of our hearts and claims the allegiance of our minds. And so with Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus heard, and he believed. It tells us, doesn't it, that true faith can be, is found so often in very unexpected places. Here's Bartimaeus. He's really an outcast, uh, begging on the side of the road, probably just out of the gates of Jericho. And yet he believes, son of David, have mercy on me. It's surprising because in contrast to Bartimaeus, you have uh, all the religious leaders who are going after Jesus and who are seeking to kill Jesus. They had great knowledge. They, had, uh, they, they studied the scriptures. They studied Isaiah 35, where, go and tell John that the, uh, what you hear and see, the blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, and they even witnessed Jesus doing these things, and even raising Lazarus, and they doubled their efforts to kill Jesus. They had great knowledge, but no saving faith. Congregation, this again uh, serves as a warning, I think, to us. Uh, and it's a warning to us, I think, particularly in uh, Reformed circles, where we take learning very seriously. And knowledge we take that very seriously. Rightly, by the way. That's not a crit critique. It's a, it's, a, it's a good thing, I think, that we uh, put a premium 
on knowledge and understanding, on biblical knowledge. And the reason that's important is because you really can't have faith if you don't have knowledge. The knowledge is, is the groundwork. You must have some understanding. But the thing is, you can have knowledge without saving faith. And that's the danger. We need to have some knowledge, some at least a basic understanding of who God is, of who we are, of our sinful condition, of our need for salvation. We, otherwise, what are we putting our faith in? So there is a certain knowledge that we must have. To say no creed but Christ is silliness. It makes no sense. There needs to be some understanding and some knowledge. But let's not be like the religious leaders of Jesus' day who had this great knowledge but no saving faith. They did not rest in Jesus Christ. When I think about, you know, how important knowledge is, the, the second question of the Heidelberg Catechism says, what must you know to live and die in the joy of this comfort? The comfort described in the first question and answer. And that answer is we must know three things. <laughs> First, how great is my sin and misery. Second, how I am set free from my sin and misery. And third, how I am to thank God for such deliverance. And so there's, there's certain things we need to know. Or as John Newton said late in life, that ex-slave trader. He was losing his memory. But he says, two things I know. I am a great sinner. And Christ is a great Savior. <laughs> There's certain things we need to know. But knowledge itself does not save. And you can have knowledge without a saving faith. And so that's important for us to see here that uh, you have this dichotomy between Bartimaeus, uh, who probably likely was not well-trained in, in the scriptures, uh, but yet he knew enough and he believed in Jesus Christ in contrast to the spiritual leaders of their day, the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, who knew so much and denied Jesus. It also teaches us, I think, that we need to be careful not to make quick assumptions about people who are different from us. Bartimaeus was a beggar. Owned this cloak that probably didn't smell very good. Dirty, dusty, sitting on the side of the road. Temptation for us is to cross to the other side and keep our arms distant. And this is, is a reminder to us. It tells us to be careful not to make these quick assumptions about people who are different from us. I, I'm not going to go into it, but there have, been, there have been times in my life and in my ministry where I've been guilty of that. And, and I, the Lord has graciously brought, had graciously brought me to these points where I, I recognize, you know, I made quick judgments about this person because of the way he looked and later found, what a 
godly man that was. You know, and, and the Lord had to teach me not to make those quick, unjustified assumptions. Well, another thing about the faith of Bartimaeus here is that it is a determined faith. It's a determined faith. It's, it's, it's a somewhat surprising faith, but it's also a determined faith. Uh, Bartimaeus was determined to be heard in spite of the people hushing him. Be quiet, Bartimaeus. He calls out all the more. You have verse 47 where he says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Then verse 48, they, they rebuked him, telling him to be quiet. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. He is determined. He would not be silenced. He would not bow to the norms of propriety. He was determined to be heard. <coughs> and when Jesus called for him, What does he do? What does Bartimaeus do? Mark tells us, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Now, I think that's rather significant. It tells us something about Bartimaeus. His cloak was probably nearly all he had. It uh, no doubt was a symbol of his blindness and his beggar status. It probably was his bedding at night and his shelter from the sun during the day. It really signified who he was. And he threw off his cloak sprang up and followed Jesus. I really think that this is, Mark puts this here in contrast to uh, the rich young ruler where Jesus says, sell everything you have and follow me. And he went away sad because he was a wealthy man. And uh, here you have, I think, the very opposite. You have this beggar throwing off everything he owned, all that he had, sprang up and came to Jesus. It's significant, I think, because in a sense he is saying, I give this up. My whole life, my old life is gone. You see, because one of the marks of a true disciple of Jesus, of a true follower of Jesus, of true faith, is to be wholeheartedly committed to Jesus. You'll stop at nothing to know more, to worship him, to be sanctified by his spirit. Bartimaeus threw off his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. 
So we've been looking at the faith of Bartimaeus, which is a surprising faith and a very determined faith. But notice how Jesus responds. He's, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. He goes and he stops in Jericho. He is heading to Jerusalem. This is Jesus is heading to Golgotha. Jesus is heading to the cross. He knew precisely where he was going. He had told the disciples uh, on at least three different occasions, this is where we're going. We're going to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be arrested. The Son of Man will be persecuted. He will be put to death. Jesus warns them that this is what he's doing. He is headed there. But he stops in Jericho and he heeds the cry of Bartimaeus. He could have ignored it. Could have thought, I have more important things to do. But Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. And blind beggars are precious to Jesus. People in their extremities are precious to Jesus. Sinners are precious to God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so we need to see here that Bartimaeus was not just some kind of unwelcomed inter, uh, interruption in Jesus' march to Jerusalem, in the drama of redemption. But rather, he is a picture for us. I think a, a microcosmic manifestation of the cosmic drama of redemption. That is what we're seeing here. He's a, he's a small picture of what Jesus actually came to do in in redeeming people. You know, I've often had things come up in my ministry uh, where uh, I first think are unwelcomed interruptions. And then later, as I'm dealing with these things, soon find them to be wonderful opportunities for ministry. Uh, I can... I can tell you a number of times where that's been the case. Part of it's my own, again, my own sinfulness, where I've, I initially see things as <laughs> unwelcome inter- interruptions. Uh, but, uh, but the Lord slowly but surely teaches this clay pot <laughs> that uh, these are opportunities for ministry. Timing might not be your timing, Derek, but... Uh, But here is opportunity. Bartimaeus was not an unwelcomed interruption to our Savior, but a divinely designed opportunity for ministry. Jesus healed him. Jesus healed his blindness. Immediately, he recovered his sight. And then what do we read here that Bartimaeus does? He followed him. On the way, you see, a disciple is one who follows his master, and so Bartimaeus shows himself to be a true disciple of Jesus. He follows Jesus. He, he a disciple is one who follows his master and who learns from his master. Uh, that's what a Christian does. That's what we're called to do: to follow Christ and to learn from our master. And that is precisely what Bartimaeus is doing. But I think it's interesting that you have here these last words of the chapter. And followed him on the way. On the way where? 
Well, Jesus tells us where. He's going to Jerusalem. He's going to the cross. He's going to death. And Bartimaeus is following him on the way. This is what a disciple does. Jesus says, unless you take up your cross daily and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. So that for the disciple, following Jesus matters more to me than my life matters, than life itself. That's what it means. And Jesus is saying, unless that's the case, you cannot be my disciple. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, follow me. Follow me. Peter, James, John, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. Well, what does that mean? What will that entail? What does that entail for us? Where will that lead? We don't always know. We don't always know where that will lead. We know that for some, that leads to death. You don't have to read the news or follow the news for too long before you start hearing about brutal beheadings that happen in the Middle East and in Nigeria and other places, brutal beheadings of Christians. Here are pastors being uh, persecuted and put in prison in China. These things are happening. Jesus says, follow me. Follow me. And Bartimaeus followed him on the way, on the way to Jerusalem, on the way to the cross. Bartimaeus is, a, I think, a very interesting character in the Gospels. And this is, as I said, Mark's last recorded miracle of Jesus. Why is that here? Well, I think, uh, and this is somewhat speculation, though I think it it's... it's uh, Valid. And that is, I think the Father here is encouraging the Son. Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. He knows what's happening. We've read that already in Mark, where he tells the disciples, We're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested, persecuted. I'm going to be put to death. And after three days, I will rise again. And I think the Father is encouraging the Son. After there's been so much spiritual blindness, we've seen that, haven't we? Spiritual, the, the spiritual blindness with the disciples, spiritual blindness, of course, with the spiritual leaders. Uh, and here you have a blind man who actually sees. Son of David, have mercy. It's like God is giving to his Son an encouraging Sign. It's like a, a, a megaphone or a neon sign on the way to Jerusalem. Later, God's going to send angels to support and sustain him in the Garden of Gethsemane. But now God sends blind Bartimaeus. Son of David, have mercy. 
I think the father is encouraging his son and saying to Jesus, go on. Go on. My will is that you give your life for the sheep. Go on. And of course, we know and see looking forward that this is precisely what Jesus does. He goes on. And he is nailed to the cross. And he shed his blood for the sheep. Well, let's celebrate that now, congregation, as we partake of the Lord's Supper. To all of you who've 